DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Dick Harmon, sports columnist for the Deseret News. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret, despite a couple days of rain, that Utah is still in extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Dick, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys? We're good. good. How are you? I'm, I'm. This smoke is killing me. It's just killing me. It's cutting down everything you want to do outside. It really is. Yes. And the rain will help with that, but then the rain has its own problems, apparently. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to get on the radio and we're going to talk sports. That's what we're going to do. What a good idea. All right. <laughs> so I'm uh, curious, as you hear another season, and, you know, why not be optimistic in the preseason because there's no point in being pessimistic and beating yourself up. But how much of the optimism that you're hearing you think is warranted? What have you heard that's on target, and where do you think it's maybe misplaced and overstated? Oh, <laughs> man, that is a great question. Um, and multi-parts, too. Yeah, um, jump in anywhere you like. You get to ignore the part you don't like. Well, you know, I think the enthusiasm that Kalani has is probably real because he uh, he's put a, invested in a lot of recruits that he hasn't had the chance to coach until the last couple of years, and he's coming off eleven and one, and they think they have uh, momentum off of a big bowl game in which uh, Jeff Grimes and uh, uh, Eric uh, Mateos were not there. So basically, some of the, the guys in the room were able to go and produce a great big bowl win, on, you know, on the road against uh, Central Florida. So I think the fact that they got in 12 games and a lot of other people didn't, I think he's he's got depth and experience and a lot of players were able to see playing time. And uh, I think all those things combined to to put a positive spin on what he's trying to do out there with these guys. And the negative may be overblown. It's going to be hard to replace Zach Wilson. Let's face it, this kid has tremendous talent. he, he's got a great arm. He was very accurate, and I think the accuracy is something that's going to be hard to be replaced by any replacement they have because Zach was simply that good. I do think there's a warranted uh, positivity in the fact that the running back core is all intact and back, and they're deep, and their wide receiver core maybe is deep and as talented as I've seen in, in decades here in Pro Bowl. A tight end situation with uh, – Isaac Rex, a guy that got 12 touchdown passes tied for the lead and the nation is back. So I, I think some of it is justified statistically and, and experience and performance-based, and others are just question marks that you have to wait and see what happens. How about the defensive backfield? It seems like they've got a lot, a lot more bodies, and the bodies that they have there are not guys that they sort of scooped up uh, because they may be a junior college kid who fell through the cracks or maybe like a Brian Logan who's a little on the small side. It seems that they actually have some potential players there. And so from that respect, uh, they might have some more talent across the board than they've had in a good while. You know, I, I think if I were to pick one thing that was going to surprise people and has surprised people and will, it is that what you just mentioned. I, I think uh, D'Angelo Mandel is a real player. Malik Moore, we've seen just the, the, the short time that we've been allowed to watch. He's a playmaker. Um, these are not small little corners like Brian Logan. These guys are all over six feet tall, uh, 5'11 at the least, uh, 180, 190 pounds. They can run. They're fast. Probably as good as man coverage uh, secondary as BYU's had in, 
in a long, long time, maybe since 1996. So I think these guys will surprise you because they will be in position. Like Chris Wilcox, they do have size. They have range. Um, they're confident. I think uh, General Guilford's done a great job uh, along with uh, Ed, Ed Lamb and, and getting these guys specifically uh, with with the, uh, the the tangibles that you can measure, the size and the speed, and, and then develop them. And, and I think that would be probably the story of this team is that uh, the corners are probably better than a lot of people think the way you can do. So a lot of what you say about the secondary, I've heard there seems to be some consensus building around that. But the position group where there doesn't seem to be any incentives, I'm going to have to default to a PK position, which, of course, will lead PK to take a victory lap that will annoy me to no end. But nonetheless, that's where we are. Uh, You know, he says, well, we'll find out on Saturdays. That's the great thing. And I guess that's where I'm going to find out about the defensive line because I don't hear any consensus on that. There are people who think it's going to be great. There are people who think it's going to be good. There are people who raise an eyebrow and wonder if it's going to be the team's Achilles heel. where, Where do you fall on the spectrum? Well, I, I think I'll, I'll add a little bit of a different uh, observation to that. It'll be different. So, you know, it, it'll be different in terms of its size uh, and mobility. Now, you don't have a Karis Tong there that's going to plug up and take on two blockers and, 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 you know, push somebody back into the backfield so far that they knock down the quarterback, which he did a few times. But, but I think that they have some more agile athletes that can go around people. Uh, they're a little bit quicker. I think Tyler Batty, he only played four games, but he led the team in sacks, and he's a backup. I think Lorenzo Fotea, is, uh, he's got talent. Uh, Tinsley uh, Mahi, he's, he's good. Uh, he's got size. He's a great athlete. Um, Earl uh, Tuzo Mariner and uh, um, I think Uriah Luatea. Peyton Wilgar. Peyton Wilgar, I think, is going to surprise people. He'll play a little bit of defensive end. He's a linebacker, uh, but he's a player. Uh, I visited with his dad who lives in Las Vegas, played with BYU back in the 60s. Uh, the guy's got the bloodlines, and he is a playmate. You might remember, I think it was against Southern Cal, the interception that he made out in the flats. But I think they've got versatility, and they're different. I think that's the word that I would use, Dave, is that there's just going to be a different defensive line than BYU's had. And the, and the linebackers will be a big part of showing the four or five-man front and being active in that front front seven. So talk about Kalani and being extended and not being extended and, you know, how long they're going to let it, let it play out. And I've had some people around the program, I'm sure you've had too, that have complained to, an, to a degree is that uh, the administration lavishes love on Mark Pope and extends him before he even starts his second season. And Kalani, they sort of twist it in the wind and – and what are they going to do again there? Uh, now I'm wondering, how do you view this situation? Is it just a matter of getting around it, getting around to it, or they're not quite as sold on Kalani as they are as Pope? What's your take there? Well, I, I think it's more who's got the pocketbook. I, I you know, that's a good observation. But you, you have Mark Pope being backed by the owner of the Utah Jazz, a good friend, a confident, a person that's put up money for him at Utah Valley and at BYU and have given them about what they want. I mean, these two guys are buddies. But on the other hand, now you've got Kalani coming in with the guy with Bilt Bar, uh, this Greer guy, and it's his buddy, and it's his good guy, and he's got a paycheck, uh, a, a pocketbook, and that's pretty deep. And, and so Kalani now has his guy in his corner that's developed over the last year, and uh, coming up this Sunday with a big big blockbuster announcement. What you're seeing is, is playing out uh, the money game. And so Kalani's finding his money guy. And he's got leverage now because of what's happened uh, with his friend and his connection. And uh, 
And I think that in time, if this thing gets worked out, then that money guy's going to step up, like Pope's guy stepped up and said, hey, let's extend this guy, and I'm going to be a force behind it to help to help make that happen. So I think the clock's ticking, the relationships are in place, and you got to play out a, a, a money game that just has one step that's already taken last week, and then the next step will come up. But definitely, I, th- I think in uh, talking to those who are very close to um, – the Kalani is that he, he's approaching this with humility. He's saying, "I haven't done anything yet. I've got to, I've got to do something." I was working on a project with some family members this summer. I thought I had it pulled off, but when it came to Kalani, he put a kibosh on. He says, "No, because I haven't earned the right to do that." And so I think that's where Kalani's coming from: is that he wants to prove even more, and then come in with his money back and say, "Okay, let's get it done." So you think basically that seven and six season two years ago is the one that's kind of the the mark that says he hasn't done anything yet because you've got you can't just win you have to win consistently and what could have been a ten win season with very little imagination ended up being a seven and six season. Yeah, and that happened for a lot of different reasons. I mean, there were some coaching issues, there were some recruit issues, there were some quarterback issues that I think people were strapped with and, and had to use. And then there were some injury issues. So there's a lot of reasons that probably were not Kalani's fault that that happened, but he takes responsibility for it. But, uh, you know, the 11-1, and one, that was a pretty good year last year. Went on extending. But I think that in his mind, and maybe in the mind of some people, there's some mechanisms that have to happen before they take that step forward. And I think they're in the works. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the money people because the fact is that if he puts together, say they go 9-3 and three this season, maybe even 10-2, and two, well, I think would probably be the best case scenario. For the sake of argument, uh, do that. There's going to be openings in the Pac-12. I mean, uh, Herm Edwards looks like he's on shaky ground. Who knows? There's a, guys move on. Guys get fired. So the point being, and certainly with Mark Pope, too, uh, the enthusiastic marketing machine that he is is just a, a genius in that regard, that they're going to have opportunities to move on. And BYU, in a just sort of a crazy way, has sort of prided itself in not uh, paying market value and so you could potentially lose either one or both of these guys, which would be a shame because it seems like they're set up for success. Do you think that at that point, BYU is willing to up its game as far as salaries, not necessarily the literal going rate, but close to it? Well, I think they have to. I mean, if they want to keep in this game and keep things rolling as an independent, then they have to be. They have to have people you know, in, in charge that are going to help them to do that. And I think the, the best uh, probably case of that is the uh, female uh, non-LDS track uh, and cross-country coach that they elevated and gave her a title and more money and uh, made her one of the first uh, non-LDS head coaches in recent memory. It's been a few years since that's happened, but they, they shifted gears, they stepped up, and they did what they needed to do. And I think that they'll need to do that, yes. And I think that they have the people in place. You know, BYU's salary is going to be X. But, but the money comes from the outsiders and funds and the coaches' circles and other things that build uh, the salaries that they need. Those, those are done uh, through different organizations connected to BYU but outside of BYU. And I think you've seen that with Pope with the owner of the Utah Jazz, and you've seen that with Greer right now with the Built Bars and what he's done in funding literally every single BYU player in the program. So when you talk about those organizations uh, being outside, how much are they controlled by BYU? How much say does BYU have? And how much are they really freelancing? 
Oh, they, they have control. BYU is an organization that will not let an outside entity control what they do. So there's a bridge there. There are people that are liaisons, and there's lawyers involved that, uh, you know, and the Board of Trustees has to approve it. Um, but but the, the salary that BYU has is, is just X amount, and that's probably basic. And, you know, you can grow that a little bit here and there, but the outside money, which is under control, um, you know, that is what determines the amount that you're going to keep a coach with. How about the assistants, too? We had Reno Mahe on the other day, and we're talking about BYU underpaying notoriously, and he basically laughed and said, yeah, no kidding. Uh, do you think they can increase that pool, too? Yeah, but I, I think when you talk to Reno and you talk to anybody on that staff at that particular time, they were in a situation where they were not paid very well at all. So you're talking about a different universe. Um, after that seven-win season, after the struggles that they had, when they brought in Jeff Grimes, and he was able to bring in who he wanted to. That that shifted gears a bit. So when you peek into that history with that group, that's a whole different story. Dick Harmon joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Deseret News uh, columnist and spends a lot of time covering BYU athletics. So I'm, I'm curious if you think the O-line has gotten back to a place where you remember it when – you were just getting started, and they seemed like they cranked out an NFL draft pick every year. And if not every year, then every other year. And because they dominated that phase of the game, and I know the schedule was lighter, but because they dominated that phase of the game, it made everything else a lot easier. Are they getting back to that? Well, I think the measurables are there. Kalani, when he first came, he says, we've got to be more physical. He, he ran into a team that just wasn't very physical, so he changed the... <laughs> Excuse me. The, not only the recruiting targets, but the measurables and the frames, and then he uh, tasked his uh, conditioning staff with making them stronger by doing a lot of uh, lower body work and the core and the squats and and the weights and, and those things have increased over the last three or four years to the point where they they hit a target uh, area. I mean, you look at the the tackle right now. You look at Blake uh, Freeland. He's six foot eight, three hundred and four pounds. Look at the other uh, tackle, Harris LeChamp, at Utah. Had a little bit of a go around. He's six eight, three hundred. James Empty has been an All American since he he came back from his mission as a freshman. Clark Barrington, uh, another big guy. Uh, Connor Pay hasn't played a lot, but <coughs> the smoke. Um, but yeah, I think what they've got is a prototype BYU big offensive lineman that they're trying to get their footwork and their techniques down to where they can protect and they can dominate and they can be more of a physical force and impose their will on other people. I don't think that was the case three or four years ago. I don't think they could do that. Well, we're going to let you go get a drink of water right now, Dick. you gotta, <laughs> you got to regain your equilibrium there. We feel like we're finishing you off here. And that's not our goal. We want to have you back on. It's bad out there. What's going on with you California people getting all this smoke over here? Patrick, can't we blame the Californians for all this? Yes, absolutely, especially natives, not the ones who just moved there later for work. (laughs) Yeah. Way to cut me out of the herd, (laughs) cowboy. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right. You do a great job. Fun to listen to and, and the best. Thank you, Dick. All right, DJ and PK, there is Dick Harmon, sports columnist for the Deseret News. I didn't want his blood on my hands. Get him a drink of water. <laughs> Quickly. I, I need a drink of water, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> my throat's getting a little tight. Just listen to that. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.